0: Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and I have some brilliant news. My book, The Mind for High Performer, had its one year anniversary, and thanks to you, my beautiful community, it has sold out four times. If you haven't read it, tap the link in the description to grab a copy today so you can make small shifts to become a calmer, happier, and more productive version of yourself. Ashley Whitehead is joining us today on the podcast, and she is a corporate leader, trainer, mental health ambassador, and speaker whose mission is to empower individuals with the tools they need to fuel their bodies and their minds. With 17 years of experience in the fast paced world of medical technology, Ashley knows firsthand the habits you need to achieve a healthy work life balance. She has a degree in physiology, sports science, and nutrition. Ashley offers practical and actionable strategies to help increase your energy levels, nourish your body, and rediscover your zest for life. Ashley is a rock star and highly sought after speaker for EQ Minds, and I can't wait for you to hear her tips today. In this podcast, we talk about her story and how she got into this field, what are some common symptoms of glucose spikes and why people should care about their glucose levels, what causes glucose spikes, how do we avoid them, An example of a really healthy breakfast that will keep glucose levels steady throughout the day. Does snacking have an impact on glucose? If we snack, what does she recommend? And how long before bed should we finish eating to ensure our glucose levels drop before sleeping? We also find out what Ashley does these days to protect her mental health. This episode is a cracker. I learned so much from this particular conversation and I hope you do too. Without further ado... Let's get started. I am so pumped to welcome our guest today, Ashley Whitehead. Welcome to the EQ Minds podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I think one of the best places, Ashley, for people who don't know who you are is for us to get a little bit of insight into your story.
1: Okay. Well, um, I am a Scotsie, so that is a Scottish-Australian and I guess it was my love of travel that brought me here. So I traveled around the world where I met my lovely husband and we now live in Melbourne. We've got two kids and I first started my career out in the uh, fitness industry. So I started out as a personal trainer and then I ran my own nutrition consultancy and then I came to Melbourne and I decided to park those and have those as my passion projects for a little while and I entered the world of pharmaceutical sales um, before moving into the very fast-paced world of med technology where I worked up until very recently in various roles in sales and leadership roles. But my favourite role I would say in all of that was when um, I was a mental health ambassador And we got to raise awareness around mental health and really help reduce the the stigma um, around that. And that's something that I'm so passionate about um, after going through my own mental health battle back in my early 30s. But in 2020 was probably my big pivot in life. Um, I had a really big health scare and I ended up having brain surgery in the middle of Melbourne's lockdowns that we had. And what that did was it shifted my perspective on life and health. And it set me off on this mission to find optimal health and optimal ways to really thrive. Because, you know, my thinking then changed. And I was like, as I get older, I want to have loads of life in my years. And now, I get to share some of those insights and wisdom and some of my experience um, with others through EQ Minds, which I'm so excited about.
0: Ashley, I love that. I I want to have more life in my years. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. I, I really, really like that. And I love the different skill sets you bring to EQ Minds and to all our incredible, beautiful partners and friends across the EQ Minds brands. And I wanted to talk to you about this topic today because I see this as a bit of a a trend coming through and I think it's super interesting and you're the expert when it comes to nutrition. So I want to ask you uh, around glucose today and and what are some common symptoms of glucose spikes and why should people care about their glucose levels?
1: Yeah, and this is such a great topic. It really is. So Before we get into that, we'll take a step back, I guess. So glucose is your body's favorite source of energy, all right? So every cell that you have in your body uses glucose, and it does that to power itself. So right now, we're chatting, our brains are using glucose, you know, our hearts are pumping, so they're using glucose, right? So as human beings, we need it. Now, the main way that we get glucose into our body is by eating, and that's eating predominantly starchy foods like bread, pasta, rice, and then sweet foods, okay, so that also includes fruits and things like that, so anything that contains sugar. Now, if you think about it, the rationale would say, okay, I want to have more energy, right, so then therefore I should be having more glucose into my body, but that's actually not how it works, because when it comes to glucose, a little is what we want and little is okay but when we start to consume too much that then starts to become issue. So if you've heard the term glucose spike what this is and I like to use an analogy around about Tetris so I'm sure we've all played Tetris before. So when you play Tetris The blocks, they start, they come in nice and slow, right? You pack them in, all nice, things are running smoothly, and that's the same with glucose. So as it comes into the body, it should just come in, it goes off, and then it's stored um, in your muscles and liver, right? And that's, you then use it when you need it, okay? And that's how it should be happening. However, when those blocks start coming in a bit faster, right, right? So ding digga, ding digga, ding digga, ding digga, ding digga, ding digga, ding right and it starts getting a bit more frantic what's happening there is that glucose is starting to flood the system too quickly right and then that's when these spikes happen and then the bigger the spike that you get then the bigger the drop that comes after that okay so
0: we need some glucose
1: but too much glucose too quickly is where problems start to happen
0: that's such a good explanation like that even helps me really understand this whole glucose thing then with these tetris games coming in faster what causes that like what causes these glucose spikes and how can we uh, avoid those
1: yeah so the main causes as i said are your carbohydrate rich foods okay so consuming foods that are high in carbs and that's especially some foods which could be higher in um, what's called your glycemic index and this can cause this rapid increase in blood glucose levels so these could be sugary foods and drinks refined grains like your white breads and some starchy vegetables okay so these foods are quickly broken down into glucose which can then lead to those spikes happening. In food things like Lack of physical activity is also something that can cause that too. Okay, so regular exercise, it helps improve insulin sensitivity and allows all of that glucose that's coming in to be utilized by muscles for energy. So if you have a more of a sedentary lifestyle, or lack of physical activity, then that can contribute to higher blood glucose levels as the body then struggles to process glucose effectively. So there's various things that can cause those spikes to happen. And then your next question might be, so what are some of the symptoms that you have? Okay. And sometimes we don't even know, right? Because we can be on this roller coaster of glucose highs and lows. You're not actually sure then what is happening in the body. And the most common cra- symptoms are cravings. Okay, so if you get any cravings, that could quite often be due to these highs and then lows. If you're feeling tired and exhausted, that is a really common symptom, right? So you do everything that you think you should be doing, but still feeling tired. This could be a reason that you're constantly on this uh, glucose roller coaster. Brain fog, if you have brain fog, that can be something that glucose spikes cause. And then for different people, it could mean different things depending on your body. So we're all so different. So it could also be things like acne, hormonal issues, sleep problems, mental health decline. So the more spikes that you're having, then the worse this can actually be for your mental health. So people are going to benefit from trying to steady those glucose levels throughout the day. And that's regardless if you have type 2 diabetes or not. Okay, and then you've got more longer term issues that can happen with these spikes, like type 2 diabetes Increased heart disease, fatty liver disease, Alzheimer, dementia. So if you look at the research, there's no advantage to having these spikes. And as I say, a lot of us can get caught on this roller coaster of spikes and drops and spikes and drops throughout the day. But when you break free from it, you actually then can experience life so much better, right? So when you break free from that roller coaster.
0: Yeah, that's that's brilliant. So say that, you know, I'm thinking for our audience, if they could start somewhere, say it's their breakfast, what would be a healthy breakfast for people to start eating uh, to keep those glucose levels steady throughout the day for them?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And breakfast is so important. How you eat your breakfast will set you up for the rest of the day. And that's going to stop you from going on those roller coaster rides if you eat the right breakfast. And Jessie and Chausby, she wrote The um, Glucose Goddess Revolution. It's a brilliant book on this subject. So I'd highly recommend. Um, talks about eating a savory breakfast, okay? So traditionally, a lot of our breakfasts are quite high in sugar. And if you are starting your day off like that, you're going to have this sugar high, sugar spike, and then drop, okay? So eating a savory breakfast is key. So that could be something like scrambled eggs right super easy super quick to make scrambled eggs is something you could have um a breakfast high in protein would be my biggest recommendation as well so you know we all live quite fast fast busy lives right now so having a protein packed smoothie is a great option for breakfast but loading it up with veggies and good fats um, and not loading it up with, you know, juice, juice base. So smoothies should really be looking at, you know, loading up as much of veggies as possible. Um, if every, if you're ever on one of my sessions, I do give you a secret hack of a veggie that you can add into your smoothies in the morning. Um, the order in which you eat a meal, so not even necessarily breakfast, but the order in which you eat a meal can be really important too. So. If you are having a meal, eating your veggies first can help reduce that glucose spike by up to 75%. And the reason it does that is that the fiber within lays this like magic mesh on your upper intestine. So then when you're um, eating the rest of your food, it's stopping that absorption of glucose into the blood so quickly. So stopping that spike happening so
0: quickly. I did not know that. That's an awesome tip. Tonight, veggies first.
1: <laughs> That's what our parents always said, eat your veggies. So veggies first, protein second, and then your carbohydrates last.
0: One thing that my parents got right. Like you should yeah. see my lunchbox, Ashley, when I was growing up. It was not ideal and it no. comes nutritional.
1: <laughs> and I was gonna say also, if you still love your sweet treats, having them actually at the end of your meal will help stop that spike happening as well. So you can still enjoy your you know, chocolate or your sweet treats, but have them with your meal rather than on an empty stomach um, or later on to stop the spikes happening as much.
0: Yeah, I love that. Say if you're eating your dessert later or say for snacking. Right? I know a lot of people out there do a lot of snacking. Does that actually impact your glucose levels? And, and say we, we can't help but snack, then what would you recommend if we are going to lean on a snack?
1: Yep. Yeah, so snacking will, and it will change your glucose levels. Of course it will, right? Because you're we're bringing food into your body. But it depends what you're eating. So I, I am a snacker. I love snacking, okay? So i am always got my little bag of snacks with me. But it's just about being sensible in regards to what it is that you're snacking on. So snacking on whole foods, avoiding highly processed foods, okay? Being organized... Um, you know, aim for higher fiber foods. One of my favorite snacks, which we make, we usually make it up on a Sunday night, are zucchini slices, okay? You have them in the fridge and then you can just grab them, eat them. Eggs, right? Great, great example of snacks. Nuts, veggies. My favorite snack would have to be Greek yogurt and I actually add protein powder to mine. That's just because I want to have increased protein in my snacks. So there's lots of options that you can have. Um, again if you're snacking avoiding those highly sugared foods are going to stop that spike from happening so dramatically
0: this is so valuable even for me as well I'm like wow there's some things that I can change here within what we do as a lifestyle and I guess when it comes to the end of the night we set the day up with a healthy brekkie we now know what snacks we're going to consume how long should people finish eating to ensure that their glucose levels drop right before they actually go go to sleep
1: yeah so ideally in an ideal world it would be three hours or two to three hours okay so when you consume a meal your body breaks down the carbohydrates into glucose right that's then absorbed into the bloodstream And then insulin does its job to then transport it to the cells for energy. So by allowing a few hours between your last meal and bedtime, what you're doing is then you're giving your body enough time to process and metabolize the glucose. And that will then lead to this really nice gradual decrease in blood sugar levels. And then that won't disrupt your sleep patterns, opposed to if you were eating closer to bedtime. I'll say though, because sometimes people say to me, But, you know, I get home later and I want to eat with my partner or whatever. So for every change that you make in lifestyle, there are consequences. So, you know, if that means missing eating earlier, if that means missing time with your partner, then, you know, you've got to weigh up what's more important. Okay, so sometimes that social connection and that eating with your partner is more important. So maybe you'll have to look at different ways throughout your day to stop that spike happening. So, but in an ideal world, yeah, you would stop about three hours before you go to bed
0: yeah that's great advice you know I think with that whole thing around it's that opportunity cost social connections more important to you right now that's okay let's find some other workarounds I love your style because it's not like this is exactly what you have to do it's very unique to the individuals and and so and I also love the fact that you don't say no coffee no alcohol you know (laughs) I think your style is is very embracing a lifestyle that we enjoy to live. Ashley, the last question, this is a mental health podcast. I'd love to know three things. What are the three main things that you do to protect your mental health these days?
1: I love this question. On the subject of food, what I eat is something that's really important to me for my mental health. I can start to feel a decline when I'm not eating well. So for me, eating a well-balanced diet, really flooding my body with nutrients is super important for me for my physical and mental health I move my body every day and again I need to do that just so I get those endorphins running Um, I love strength training and for me that's like my medicine for mental health I love moving my body and then the other one which is probably three in one in the mornings I start my mornings I meditate I get up in the morning so I get up before my kids and my partner and I do a 10-minute meditation. I do three things that I'm grateful for. And then at the end of the night, I actually do 10 to 15 minutes of yoga every night. So I'm one of the world's least flexible people that you'll ever meet. Um, but I practice yoga to give a bit of a transition from you know bedtime and then just start moving into my nighttime routine. So they're my non-negotiables. And when I don't do them, I really can feel it. So it's something that I set boundaries around myself to make sure that I'm doing that 98% of the time.
0: That's brilliant. And you are a walking picture of health. So I think you definitely, you know, you, you walk the talk for sure. Ashley Whitehead, what an absolute pleasure to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for your wisdom as always. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.